Good morning, everyone. As I get older, I get more stick from my family for my lack of memory. I'm not too bad with birthdays, but I did once commit the heinous crime of forgetting my wedding anniversary. To be fair, it was a good number of years ago, but believe me, it wasn't a good moment. And I haven't forgotten it since, and neither has Adrian. Our Bible reading today from Exodus 32 begins like this. When the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, Come, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what's happened to him. The people of Israel have the memory of a goldfish. Only 40 days or so earlier, when Moses had told them all God's words and laws, they'd repeatedly cried out, everything the Lord has said, we will do. But now, since Moses has not yet returned from the mountain, they've once again forgotten who God is and what he's done for them. They're already ignoring the commandments to worship only him. And not only that, they describe Moses as this fellow, as if he was a man they barely knew, rather than God's mouthpiece for his people, who stood against Pharaoh and led them away from slavery and death. It seems crazy. Sadly, it seems as though God can take the Israelites out of Egypt, but you can't take Egypt out of the Israelites. You see, their hearts are still back in Egypt with their powerless gods and their golden calf or, or their bull, as it was more likely to look like. And it was not dissimilar to the Egyptian bull god, Apis, a symbol of strength and fertility in the surrounding culture. The people had so quickly forgotten their commitment and love for the one who'd saved them. They're quick to forget. God says in verse 8, they've been quick to turn away from what I commanded them and made themselves an idol in the, in the shape of a calf. They've bowed down to it and sacrificed to it and have said, these are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. No wonder God's angry. The people have been so quick to replace him with something that they can see and touch rather than putting their trust in God, who yet is unseen has spoken and acted to save them and blessed them and kept his promises and provided for them in miraculous ways. And instead of bringing their sacrifices to God with integrity and love, grateful for all that he's done, verse 6 tells us that once they've brought their sacrifices, they run wild. They indulge in revelry, engaging in immoral orgies, which would have frequently just accompanied the pagan worship at the time. You see, they're dragged back to the patterns of the past, rather than remembering that they've been saved from them. And Aaron too forgets. Leaders are just as prone to forgetting God's saving power as the rest of us. Aaron takes a lead in building the calf and later in the chapter somewhat hilariously lies to Moses, blames everyone else for his actions and suggests that he just threw the gold into the fire and out came the calf. He suggests he, it just appeared rather than the fact that he made the choice to fashion it deliberately into the God that the people called for. Only this week I read an article concerning a worship leader who'd had an affair and left his family and his wife. You see, leaders are vulnerable too. They can forget their saviour and instead follow their desires rather than his. 
We can all too easily forget our Saviour and forget his goodness and replace our worship of him with something else. We're so quickly pulled away by the world and tempted to bow down to the false gods of success, of control, of beauty or of pleasure. And there's this constant battle between the world's way and God's way. And it's easy for us to go with the flow just with everyone else, forgetting God's love and his priorities for our life, forgetting Jesus' sacrifice for us. Last weekend, we celebrated Remembrance Day and a huge effort is made every year across the world so that we will not forget the sacrifice of men and women who fought in conflicts past and in conflicts present. And it's important time to remember the sacrifices that were made. But surely it's more important for us to remember that greatest sacrifice of life ever made. The sacrifice of Jesus Christ who died in our place to save us. When we forget him, we may not make a golden calf. But we often let the world's priorities supersede God's. We often pour our energies into our own homes or comfort or families or the well-being of ourselves before other people. We often alter our view of God, that he might become the kind of God that we'd like him to be, meeting our needs and our wants. We often want him to change others, but resist allowing him to transform our own lives. And, and so we mould him into a God that we're comfortable with that doesn't challenge us too much. In doing so, we forget that there's no one like him, his power, his might, or his holiness, or his ability to save. After Israel had built and worshipped their golden idol, God had the right and the power to wipe them out for good, but he didn't. Why? Because God's gracious heart is quick, to forgive. God's heart and is, is, has and is always to save his people. It was never God's purpose to destroy the Israelites. Why would he send Moses back down the mountain if he'd meant to wipe the people out? Moses was sent because he was the one that God had chosen to save his people. And so Moses comes down, he destroys the calf, he witnesses the depravity of the people, he calls them back to the Lord. And he prays for them. God wants Moses to pray on behalf of the people, to mediate for them, not to make excuses for them or to justify their actions, but to appeal, to be the one to appeal to God for them. And Moses, in obedience, intercedes, not trying to convince God of something he didn't want to do, but instead reminding God what he wanted to hear. And God, in his love and his gracious mercy, he relents. In all their disobedience and forgetfulness, God doesn't abandon his people. Yes, he's angry at their sin, and yes, there are severe consequences, but he's a God of grace. In chapter 33, he sends an angel to be with them. He reminds them of his covenant to them and promises them they will receive the land. The tent of meeting becomes a place where Moses meets with God and the people can see a pillar of cloud representing God from heaven, wherever Moses and God are talking together. Not only that, if anyone wants to know God's will, they can approach the tent, talk with Moses, and he would speak to God on their behalf. By God's grace, there was still a way for the people to connect with God. 
In our forgetfulness of all Jesus has done for us, God's grace continues. We don't have to stay at a distance from God. We don't have to consult with someone else to come to God on our behalf. By God's grace, we have access to God himself through the permanent presence of his spirit living within us. God's heart is so gracious that we can always come to him in repentance for our forgetfulness, trusting that he will forgive us and will renew our relationship with him. As his rescued children, we can talk with him face to face as a friend speaks to a friend. We can share with him our worries and fears and talk over our concerns. We can confess our sin. We can be confident that we'll be forgiven. We have an intimate relationship with Jesus and he longs for that relationship to be deeper and stronger. When we read the Bible, he answers. When, when we read the Bible, he reminds us of his promises. When we pray to him, he answers. When we're exhausted by lockdown, fearful of the months ahead or frustrated by the limitations set on our lives, we can take them to the one whose grace and mercy is unfailing, confident that nothing can separate us from him. We may be a forgetful people, but the grace of Jesus covers our sin and is sufficient that we might no longer receive punishment for our guilt. But as Israel received grace from God through Moses, we receive grace upon grace upon grace through the perfect sacrificial love of Jesus. Years ago, I knew a lad called Sam who gave his life to Jesus, having faced some real struggles in his family and school life. It was such an incredible joy to see the transformation. But that joy became a real sadness when soon after his baptism, he seemed to quickly forget Jesus, forget all he'd done for him and go back to the life he lived before. It was a really complicated and messy situation. But what gave and still gives me hope is that God's grace is so much greater and goes so much deeper than I could ever understand. And I'm convinced that God is not finished with Sam yet. Moses was only a forerunner to the perfect rescuer, that is Jesus Christ. Yes, Moses was the one God called, and in chapter 32 we read that he was even prepared to be that sacrifice himself for the sake of Israel, that they could be forgiven. But, but Moses could not perfectly mediate between the people and God because he too was forgetful and rebellious. Only Jesus' sacrifice was perfect and sufficient to deal with all the sin for all time. And my friend Sam only needs to turn back to Jesus again to receive that forgiveness. So let's not have the memory of a fish. Let's have the memory of an elephant. Elephants never forget. Let's not forget that God's saving plan was accomplished fully through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let's remember that he is the only true demonstration of God's gracious heart, which is so quick to forgive his forgetful, rebellious people, whoever they are. Amen.